Welcome to the unspoken truths of digital leadership, living the leadership values. Our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the values, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. Discover how they lead more effectively, how they make decisions, how they live their leadership values, and how they deal with the consequences that happen because of the decisions that they make. I am John Opoon, I will be your host of the show. Please note that there may be explicit language used during the interview. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership, Living the Leadership Values, where our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the dark side, and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. And today I have a pleasure to have Sheena Yap Chan, the host of Tao of Self-Confidence podcast. So welcome, Sheena. Thanks, Jono. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. Um, as Jono mentioned, I, I do have a podcast called The Tao of Self-Confidence, where I interview Asian women about their journey to self-confidence. And for me, self-confidence is something that I love talking about and teaching because as a Asian girl growing up in Canada, I didn't have a lot of confidence and I also didn't have a lot of representation. I mean, I wanted to name myself Heather, have blonde hair and blue eyes because that's what I thought being beautiful was. And so I was really ashamed of my own culture. And as as I, you know, just as I grew up, I realized, you know, being Asian is something that sh we should be tremendously proud of. And representation was something I always craved for. And I realized if I wanted that representation, it had to start with me. And so that's how I started my podcast. I've interviewed over 700 Asian women about this topic. And one of the things I really love is having more female leaders, especially a female Asian leaders, because, because society sees us as quiet, submissive, and obedient, there are less leadership roles for Asian women. Awesome. So before you started your own podcast and all those, and I can already have similarities that we cross between in growing up with no representation. So I suppose that's a big topic already. What was it like for you growing up as a childhood? Um, like I mentioned, uh, you know, I, I, I went to, I, I was born in the Philippines and my parents moved to Canada when I was seven. Part of the reasons why they moved here was to give us better, more opportunities and teach us and also help us be more independent. And, you know, I went to school, my parents had jobs, and I actually went back to the Philippines after grade eight. So when I was 13, because my grandfather wasn't doing well at, at that time. And so we went back. And then three years later, he passed away. And we decided that they wanted to come back here because they just knew that there was way more opportunities here for us. And so we came back when I was 16 and have been here since. So back then I also had a full-time job. I worked in an office, worked in a cubicle for 12 years, but I always knew it was something that I didn't want to do. Like, I don't know if you've ever just like sat, well, if you ever had a job and sat in a cubicle, did you ever like think to yourself, like, this can't be it. Like there has to be something more than working here till I'm 60 or 65. But because of how we're programmed, it's like, Success is having a job, a stable income, and having the house and the white picket fence. And anything outside of that isn't considered success. So part of me was really afraid to kind of like branch out on my own because 
I was afraid of the unknown. I was afraid of that stability. But sometimes you just got to go out there and do it, especially if you know that it's not what's in your journey or it's not destined for you. Yeah, I can definitely relate. I went, you know, for, like you mentioned, in the Asian culture, if you're not a doctor, lawyer, and accountant, you don't really quite deem that successful in the family eyes and they like to compare with family, children, (laughs) and all sorts, right? So the next successful thing is um, becoming or working in a corporate organization. And that was the point when I worked to the point where I was physically and mentally burnt out. And I was wondering on my deathbed at that time, am I going to be working at this organization for the next 20, 30, 40 years? Like many other corporate people say that they've been there for like 20, 30 years, right? And you just wonder to yourself, is this going to be me in that time? Yeah. Yes, I can definitely relate to that cubicle job. I'm just wondering, there must be more to life than just working in an office that you're not quite content with. So growing up in the Philippines and not having much representation in in your area, was it hard going through school? Did you get bullied a lot or a lot Um, of challenges? In elementary school in Canada, I was teased a lot as a child, Um, but it wasn't like, I guess, how it is nowadays. I mean, I guess back then it wasn't really like taken as seriously and Um, But yeah, I was teased at school. And then I started high school in the Philippines. And it kind of changed over there. Like I wasn't teased. I was, you know, I had friends and stuff. And then came back to Canada, had to start over again. But it was still pretty okay. Like, um, I didn't really have that hardship that I had in elementary school. Um, How did you overcome the the lack of self confidence? Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, I, I, because I asked this because I struggled with the same thing. Like over this oh, yeah. side, I was the only Chinese kid in my school from to college to yeah to college all the way to about university when I met a few other British-born Chinese people, and I was like, wow, now I feel like I have a community. I feel like I belong somewhere. But prior to that, I struggled with self-confidence a lot, and I was just keen to find out how you overcame yours. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing about Canada, especially in Toronto, it's such a multicultural city. It's one of the most multicultural cities in the world. So, I mean, there is like a Chinese community, an Indian community, an African-American community. And so part of that kind of helped it as well. Like, I didn't really feel like I was out of place. I think it was just more like seeing someone in the media and realizing like, if she can do it, then I can do it. That's what was lacking for me. Like, especially mm. TV shows, all I saw was white people. And so all I thought Asians aren't allowed to be actors because all you see is white people. And then I remember seeing the first Asian American show, which was all American girl with Margaret Cho. And I realized, Oh, so there is a possibility that we can be an actor, right? And sometimes all it takes is one person to open that door. It started with All American Girl, then you have The Joy Luck Club, which one of, which is one of the greatest movies ever made, and then it took like 20 more years and we got Fresh Off the Boat, and then we got Crazy Rich Asians, and then slowly all these movies are starting to come out that features Asian American actors. And it's not just like being casted as the stereotypical Asian character when they first started. These are more different roles because one of the things I like is to showcase Asian people in multifaceted 
you know, careers, talents. We're not just one dimensional, but because we've been taught to live a certain way and was raised a certain way that's been passed down by generations, people just see us one way. And I want to eliminate that by showcasing them like, I've been able to interview a girl who could fly a plane with her feet because she was born with no arms. Uh, I've interviewed a girl who writes and sings Christmas songs as a career and has created a successful career out of it. And not that it was easy, but she made it happen. Um, I've also interviewed a woman who went to jail and was a drug dealer, but now is a motivational coach and a confidence coach. So anything is like really possible. Sky's the limit. And it's like, if these people have gone through their lowest of their lows and can still rise up, then anything is truly possible. How did you come across towel in confidence? Well, like the word Tao just kind of came to me. And then I looked it up as to what the meaning it was. So it's saying the way. And for me, like confidence was something I really wanted as a support system. Like I never saw any like support online or even like offline where like Asian women can go to and like just seek support about confidence because I know there's a lot of women, especially Asian women who go through it because of how we're brought up. We're just told to never make any noise, never rock the boat, just do as you're told. And that's how you're supposed to live life. But because of that, we suffer through so many things. We suffer not being able to make a decision for ourselves, always constantly comparing ourselves to everyone else, always seeking seeking validation, always pleasing other people, putting other people first instead of our own happiness. Like in school, nobody ever teaches you what self-love is or they don't even talk about it. And so, um, yeah, I just that's why I really created this podcast because I wanted a support system first and foremost. And then the other reason is representation. I don't want the the model minority myth of that all Asian women are quiet and submissive. I want them to realize Asian women are talented, they're resilient, they're courageous, they're resourceful, they're amazing. And it's not just in one talent, it's in many different industries, whether it's STEM industry, uh, entertainment industry, becoming a CEO, like there's an Asian woman for each and every one of those departments because I want future generations to look up to someone and realize if she can do it, so can I, and not have the same feelings that I went through as a child thinking I'm not good enough because I'm Asian. What was your resentment with your culture? You mentioned that previously. Um, I guess it's just like, I didn't have the same looks as like, you know, Western people. I didn't have the bl- the blue eyes, the blonde hair. I had chinky eyes. I had, I had black thin hair. And so for me, it was more like, you know, why can't I be like them? Like they, it looks like they have it all together. They have everything while we always have to like get the scrapings or have to work three times, four times harder just to get to where we want to go. And so I guess a part of that is just like, I just wanted the easy way out, but sometimes that doesn't work out. And sometimes we do have to work a lot harder just to put our voice out there just to get to that end goal. And sometimes we have to be okay with that because we do have an unfair advantage versus other cultural versus like, you know, Caucasians. Right. So. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely have faced similar challenges, especially having a voice in the community is definitely one that's we, we have to work a lot more harder. And yeah, Um, even just watching the other guys in America, you know, the big um, Hollywood guys and stuff, they have to work much more harder to get into the industry and to get their own voice or get the representation that they deserve to be out there. 
not just because of you know the skin color but also their talents as well and so working in self-confidence what for the for those that, that struggle with self-confidence what other like strategies or techniques would you recommend people to get started with if there sure. was to just get started with building self-confidence sure um i can share three things that could that could help you build confidence i think when it comes to building self-confidence you have to realize this is something that you're going to work on for the rest of your life and so it's better to take little steps versus versus taking that big leap because sometimes when you take that big leap and you don't hit the end goal that you want you end up actually not like unmotivated and you it's it's not going to want you to take action because it's like oh i wasn't confident in taking that that end goal and now i feel stupid or i feel bad and i don't want to go and try again because i'm just going to end up failing and i'm going to end up looking stupid and so it's just better to take little steps right go from level 1 to level 2 versus level 1 to level 50 because you know all those people who you see they're called an overnight success they've been putting in the work day in day out day in day out for years and it just they just they just suddenly became an overnight success because they put in the work for years and years and years and if people understood that instead of thinking oh they just came out of nowhere no they've been putting in the work you just have you nobody talks about it so take it step by step do it day, little by little that slow that helps you grow your confidence little bit by little bit the second one is start celebrating every single success you have no matter how big or small it may be. If 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 like you just figured out how to use Zoom, celebrate that cuz not everyone knows how to use Zoom, right? Or if you had like your first first $10 sale, like celebrate it because the more you keep celebrating it, the more success you can attract into your life. And if you want, you can even create a success log, write down all the success that you had for that day. And then when you look back, you can realize like, wow, I accomplished a lot. And sometimes you just need to see what you've accomplished so it can help you bring that confidence. And the third and for most important, which I had a hard time doing because as an Asian person, it's like, not really something that we like doing is asking for help. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's a pride thing. Maybe, maybe it's a pride thing or a sign of weakness, but it's not. It is not a sign of weakness if you need help because we're not here alone. We're not doing, we're not going to be in this journey alone. It's better to work together or to hire someone. If you need a coach to help you out, that's fine. If you need a mentor, if you want to join a mastermind or a an empowerment group, whatever works for you, ask for that help. Especially what during this pandemic, everyone's stuck at home and our mental health health issues have heightened up. And especially if you're in a cold country like Canada, like it's even worse because we have shorter days. It gets dark by like before 5 p.m. And so it really affects our mental health. And we have to be okay with seeking professional help, seeking someone to talk to. And there's no shame in that. I know in Asian culture, it's such a taboo to talk about mental health because first and foremost, some of them don't believe it, it exists. <laughs> They think it's a, like it's a lie. Some of them want to avoid it. Some some of them might think it'll just, it'll just go away or they just put you in a mental institution because something's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with you. We all go through it. I have it. I go through it as well because I'm human. I'm not a robot. I'm not perfect. And so I think it's really important to go out there and seek help if you need it. Don't let your pride get in the way because that will just delay your success or delay your journey. I can definitely relate to number three, which is asking for help. I would say that's a lot to do with our Asian culture in pride, mm -hmm. but also admitting to vulnerability. 
and also just being able to be okay with being vulnerable. And like you mentioned, mental health is such a big thing that a lot of people are talking about nowadays. Yeah. But a few years back, no one really, you know, mentioned it. But it is such a big thing that most, you know, everyone goes through. But just deny to admit that it's there. I'm glad that um, you're mentioning about mental health because over over in England, we're also starting to raise more mental health awareness for the Asian culture over this side. So I'm glad you're doing it over for your country as well in Canada. For yeah. <laughs> So how did you get into the whole self-confidence thing? Was it just because you chose, you know, how did you decide to go, I'm going to create Tao self-confidence, I'm going to become a leader and a voice for, <clears throat> for the Asian people? Um, I've always wanted to help people out, especially women, especially Asian women. And I really just didn't know how I was going to do that. Like when I first started podcasting, I didn't even know what a podcast was. I just saw it on like Apple iTunes. It always popped up and I'm like, what is a podcast? Like I had to invest in figuring out what a podcast was, invested in a community that can help me set it up and get feedback so that I can correct it. And I always knew, I always craved for representation because there was no representation out there. And I realized if I really wanted representation, it had to start with me. And it's okay if I started with no influence, with nothing. I know I could work my way up. And, you know, it's not easy. Like, you're the only one doing this. And especially like five years ago, podcast, like, there was probably like five other Asian people who were podcasting. Like, it was really hard to find Asian hosted podcasts. And so, you, but you got to start somewhere. You got to open that door for someone. And yeah, I, I, and for some reason, like confidence just kept popping up. And I realized, well, maybe I have to create a show based on confidence because we go through so much low self-esteem that we need something to pick us up. Even if it's just 15 minutes to 20 minutes of our day to give you that boost, it's better than nothing. And so what, it, and I also like podcasting because you can download episodes and listen to them at any given moment. If you're giving your, if you're cooking dinner for your kids, if you're going out for a jog, if you're stuck in the subway, if you're stuck in the, in traffic, you could listen to that at any given moment. And because we live in a world where we have a short attention span, sometimes it's okay if you just hear it in the background, because even though if you're not really listening to it, your brain's still picking it up. Yeah, absolutely. What's your background? I'm, I'm pure Chinese. I was born in the Philippines. Uh, there's a huge Chinese community in the Philippines. My grandparents moved to the Philippines um, mm -hmm. from China and Taiwan. So, yeah. And then your professionals as well? Pardon? Prior, before you started doing, teaching people self-confidence. So I worked in an office job <laughs> for 12 years. <laughs> what did you do in the office? Um, I sold, we sold cardboard paper, so I would maintain the accounts make sure they got their orders right, mm -hmm. things like that. So the admin and accounts side. Yeah. Ah. How did you get into personal development then? <laughs> um, oh, wow. <laughs> it was a <laughs> long and like a roller coaster for sure. It started Absolutely. out with like getting into network marketing and like... What did you start off with? Um, it was like a, a super juice from an acai berry, but you know, it kind of just led me to where I am today. Like I don't, mm -hmm. I don't do network marketing anymore. Um, yeah. But no, but I, that's a great start to get, to build um, yeah. knowledge and also get your foot in the door in terms of personal development and I would say and, entrepreneurship. 
Yeah. And just learning to overcome your fears. Like, I think it's a great way to do that. <laughs> well, definitely. I, I've done that with marketing and it was a huge, it's, it's more about learning how to build a community and then yeah. get audience more than anything else. Yeah. So how, what else did you get through in, in, you know, personal development? Um, like I, you know, I, through like that whole world of network marketing, that's when I started reading books, listening to mm -hmm. audio, going to events, networking with like-minded people. And it along the way, let like led me to doing my podcast. <laughs> like some of the things I had to overcome was doing video. Like if you saw me doing my first video, I was not like this. I was stuttering. I was doing a two minute video that took two hours to take because I would put my phone up. I would say something and then like 20 seconds later, I fumbled and I turned it off. And then I would do the same thing all over again for two hours straight because I was so scared of like, what if people don't like me? What if they think I'm just some crazy Asian person? And it wasn't even from other people. It was from like my friends and family. <laughs> Interesting. You say that. I, I, I had the same thing as well. When I started putting myself out there in the online world, especially yeah. with Especially my background in doing digital marketing, you know, I'm I'm happy to build digital marketing businesses and systems for companies and help others make loads of money. But when it comes to marketing myself, yeah, I'm less likely to be like out there <laughs> because I'm always thinking, oh, what if my friends don't think like this? Or what if my friends and family start seeing me doing this kind of work that don't align to what they think is successful? Or whatever right and i i had this massive block initially with this obviously the more you do it the, the better you get right and you just you just stopped caring because it's now not about you or me it's now about a bigger mission about who we're actually helping and who we're actually doing this for especially my my mission was to help asian people have raised find their voice whether that's through podcasts whether it's through online marketing whether it's digital marketing, whatever it is, you know, showing up online, showing up offline to do what they need to do. So it's a huge stumbling block. I completely relate to that. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people go through that. They're too afraid to promote themselves because, yeah, you know, we're afraid of what people might think of us or it's just not proper, especially in Asian culture. It's like, you know, don't draw any attention to yourself. Don't, don't tarnish the family name. Don't do anything that will make, they'll embarrass us. But, Sometimes you just have to push through it, even if it's scary. And it is scary, like going out there, promoting yourself, putting yourself out online in a video or in a podcast. But the more you keep doing it, the more you're going to forget about all those other people. And sometimes like a mentor told me, you have to think of them as ants. Like they're so small, it's not going to matter. And, and the more I thought of that, like I just kept going, even if it felt uncomfortable, even if I had friends like come up to me like, Oh, are you still doing that thing? <laughs> you know, but sometimes you just got to keep at it. You got to be consistent and persistent and just promote yourself. If you've been interviewed on a podcast, show it off. If you were nominated for an award, show it off because it's not just about you. This is about representation. And sometimes you just got to put yourself out there if you want that representation you crave for. And especially if you want to create a voice for the Asian community, it really has to start with yourself because. For me, a win for one Asian person is a win for all Asian people. So 
we have to start somewhere. And even if it sucks, even if we're scared, I did it too. And once you push through it, it's not as bad as you think. And you can be like, if that was the worst thing I had to go through, I can take on anything. I like how you talk about the one win for one Asian is one win for everyone. Because it's so true. Like when we saw Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, yeah. Right? I was super Everyone went wild was, over that. I was so emotional watching that movie and like in a good way. I was just like so proud. Like finally there's an all Asian cast set in Singapore and like Asian director. It's not like a movie where a white person directed it because it does it makes a huge difference when someone can understand the culture. Yeah, because that that representation is like a big win for all of us, regardless yeah. whether we're you know, Singapore, whether we're whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. It was just a win for Asian people, I think. Just having that voice and recognition to be yeah. on the big screen. So I'm curious to find out more about your self-confidence um, with Tao. Like, was there anything else in the Tao methods that you use or like principles and stuff? There was honestly... It was just like the name and the meaning, which was the way. And mm -hmm. so it was like the way to self-confidence. And for me, the way is any way you choose. It's not just one way. Because mm -hmm. back then, I thought to be confident, you just had to be this one certain thing. You had to be loud and boisterous. But really, you can be an introvert and still be confident. You can be who you are and still be confident. And it's just learning to show up as your authentic self and being okay with it. Being okay with making mistakes, failing, all your imperfections, and can still move forward. And every person is different. So that's why your way to confidence isn't my way to confidence, right? We all, what may work for you may not work for me. And you have to be okay with that and learn that some things just won't work for you, but at least you tried it and you know what will and won't work for you. And, you know, sharing these stories of how these women are able to overcome it, there's people can relate to at least one person in the podcast and realize like, okay, that happened to them. Same thing happened to me and they were still able to overcome it. Like people have been able to overcome abuse, jail, cancer, like some of the lowest parts in their life, they can still thrive. And that's the kind of stories we want because we want to show them like, yeah, I know where you've been. I know it sucks. I know it's hard, but guess what? You, it's up, you can make it better. You can decide to go up there and do it and you're not the only one and you don't have to do it alone. You know, it's okay to ask for help. And for yourself that, yeah, started your, your journey by yourself without much um, Asian representation. Who do you see as leaderships in your role at the moment that you've learned from or seek advice from? Oh, wow. Um, I like looking at like Sandra Oh and Michelle Yeoh because I think they're just someone who just really um, just comes as who they are. Like you get what you see and they're also out there promoting themselves, creating a voice going out there, putting in the work. And so if I see someone like that, I to me, it's someone I look up to because they, they do it in a way that it's like, it's not overbearing. They're just out there being themselves. They're just out there speaking their truth. And yeah, and there's still people, people still, you know, respect them for who they are because they're not trying to be anybody else but themselves. And what's your experience from leadership then? For me, leadership is not being who is like the higher rank. It's all about just walking side by side, helping others lift themselves up so they can be the leaders of tomorrow or the next generation of leaders. And I think 
a lot of people have this misconception of leadership where it's like you're the boss and you're supposed to tell people what to do, but really it's not. It's just like showing by example, just going out there and putting in the work, going out there, learning to promote yourself. When they can see you do that and realize how scared you are too, like they'll go out there and do it as well because they know what you're feeling and they know that it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's the... I suppose I, I have the same definition of leadership is standing side by side and just instead pushing others to go ahead and you know, stand behind and just watch them grow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you manage stress and tension? I work out a lot. <laughs> I think awesome. that's that's where I kind of just like let everything go, mind dump everything. Mm -hmm. So out is like my form of meditation because I tried doing regular meditation and I didn't like it at all. I would end up falling asleep. And this is why it's important to do things that work for you. Like I thought for the longest time something was wrong with me because I couldn't meditate for the life of it, but really it just wasn't for me. And so watching, uh, doing, working out is one thing that helps me kind of like release the stress and also mm -hmm. watching a lot of K drama. Cause it's like, I don't really have to think about anything. I just watch it even <laughs> though it gives me anxiety attacks sometimes because their storylines are insane, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just like a great escape from the world when you just don't feel like showing up because we, we have all those days where we're not always a hundred percent confident or sometimes we're negative 10% confident. We just don't want to show ourselves off to the world. And, that's fine. Like sometimes you just need that. Let it all out so that the next day you feel great again. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Working out definitely for me is also the same and meditation, I suppose depends how you meditate, how long you meditate for. Cause I can't meditate for long either. I do probably do about 10 to 15 minutes. If that's that. pretty long for me, <laughs> that's my morning just to set the tone and reset my focus and then, you know, do my workouts and whatnot. But, even yeah, even 10, 15 minutes is, is quite long for me. Otherwise, any longer than that, I normally like you fall asleep. <laughs> and I, I noticed this in my when I was doing self-awareness training. And my mentor would, you know, do these long workshops. They normally do like seven hours or so. And when you do the when we do the meditations in there, they normally last about an hour. But I end up probably falling asleep <laughs> within like 20 minutes or so. I'm just like probably just conked out and people were like, did you sleep or did you meditate? I was like, did I snore? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if, if I didn't snore, then I was meditating. <laughs> <laughs> so stepping out and playing a bigger game, what does, what does that mean to you? I think for me, it's just creating more visibility. And that just means putting myself more out there, even though it's scary. <laughs> I Like for me, it is scary because it's like, I'm not the type of person who really wants to like put myself out there like mm -hmm. any other Asian person, <laughs> but I realize I have to do it for a bigger purpose. Cause it's not just about me. It, this is representing our Asian community, telling them it's okay to put yourself out there. It's okay to go on these bigger platforms and be that voice. And yes, it's scary, but it can also pay off in the long run. And we all got to start somewhere. It's 2020 and we still crave for representation. Like something's got to change. And I realized if I really want that, it has to start with me. So, yeah, I'm always just finding, trying to find different other platforms to raise uh, Asian, the Asian women's voices, Asian community voices. Like in 2021, we're going to have uh, two books coming out called Asian Women Who Boss Up and Women of Color Who Boss Up. And that's highlighting 16 Asian women in a 
sharing their stories about how they're able to forge their own path and thrive. And, and that's important because how many, how many books do you see on Amazon or any bookstore that features is like 16 Asian women on, on a cover or feature women of color on a cover. There's nothing out there. And it's like, it's about time we need to do this. Like they even did a study on children's books and animals get more representation than all the other ethnicities. So it's like white people first, then animals and then everyone else. So like something's really got to change. Wow. I didn't know that one. Yeah. You mentioned you did you do public you do keynote speaking. Well, what's it like for you stepping out to do public speaking for the first time? And how oh, did you overcome the fear? Well, I actually hired a coach. Like this is also something that's really new to me, but it's something I've always wanted to do. But a part of me it was the fear, of course. Fear of speaking, getting made fun of. The same thing that I went through doing a first video is what I'm going through public speaking. And so I actually hired a speaking coach to help me push through that. You know, she helped me figure out how to do my first like speech. It was like 10 minutes long. And it actually felt a lot better because, you know, she enjoyed the content. Of course, I had some things I had to um, improve on, but that's okay. Like the fact that I just pushed through it, even though I wasn't the greatest is a huge thing. And because of that, now she um, refers me to other speaking engagements. Like I have one on New Year's Eve and it just built my confidence a lot more because she, if she can see something in me, then I can go out there and do it, even if it's scary. And that's, this is why asking for help is so important. You don't have to do this alone. You can hire a coach to help you see the blind spots and they can critique on what they can do because they've been there before. They know what, what the steps are to go out there and create a speaking career. And so now that's something I want to do, be able to speak on stage, because to be honest, I'm just sick of seeing the same exact people over and over again. And there just needs to be some diversity. Cool. I love I love the, the fact that you asked for help for a coach as well. Similar when I started, I went to I'm not sure you probably heard of it, Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I started with Toastmasters to overcome my fear of public speaking. And which is why I'm so comfortable now speaking to a camera, speaking to you here on podcasts, is because I did the like three years of Toastmasters work prior to this. And it's just um I think putting yourself out there as one of the especially in like you mentioned Asian representation. I'm probably the only Chinese person in my community in my yeah. Toastmasters. Obviously now we are now opened up with international online everyone could just cross, you know, cross over to each other so you just get to see more but prior to that in the local area don't really get much representation like you mentioned like even you said on book covers how many asian people do you see on book covers um, and even keynote speakers there's very you know, probably a handful or so yeah that are really out there crushing it and being the voice of of asian people so I love that you're stepping out and I'm hoping to see more Asian female speakers on stage too, because that's definitely some one, one, another big thing that I, you know, we see less men, Asian people on, on the stage, let alone female speakers. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. What inspires you to keep doing what you do? My purpose. <laughs> How did you find your purpose? I think I just found it along the way. Sometimes mm. you do something and like a light bulb just like lights up and you're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Because sometimes you don't know what you're supposed to do, right? 
But if you start asking the right questions, the right answers will appear. And for the longest time, I was always like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And sometimes your purpose changes because you're doing you're, you're, you're doing the work, you're taking action. And the more you take action, you're going to figure things out what you're supposed to do. Something that you thought you were supposed to do might be a total 180. And that's okay. Um, that's life. We're human, right? Things change and we have to be, we have to learn to like adapt to it and be okay with it. I mean, I had to move from like one end to the other, like three times. And so that's like, that was like a huge change as well, but it also taught me to adapt to situations a lot quicker. Um, so yeah, I mean, for, for the longest time, like I got so confused on what my purpose, like I knew what my purpose was, but then I didn't really, it's like, you kind of know, but you don't know, but it, you'll only know if you do the work, if you go out there, sometimes, you know, you could be in an interview and someone says something, you're like, that's my purpose. He said it for me. Right. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but you just have, you just got to like, keep a lookout for it and just keep asking that question. What is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? Because one day it'll just pop up right in front of your face and you're like, that was my purpose. Awesome. Yeah. I love the whole try and error. I think we don't try enough different things. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are too afraid to fail. Oh yeah. I, I know when it comes to failure, I failed kindergarten for coloring outside the lines. And so <laughs> I always thought I was a failure for life because of it. And people don't realize our childhood traumatic experiences can really affect us into our adult life. And if we're not aware of it, then we don't know how to fix it. Right. And so it really starts with awareness, self-awareness, you know, maybe look back and like, what happened in my childhood that made me who I am today? Or why do I feel this way? And nobody talks about doing self-awareness, right? Trying to do these things. And that's why sometimes having a coach is also very beneficial because they can point it out for you as well. And have you done much self-awareness in your journey as well, in your childhood? Um, yeah, like recently I have, you know, having coaches, going to like, well, before pre-COVID, going to like self-development, like uh, meetings, um, that's where I realized like, oh my God, I under finally understood why I feel the way that I feel because of this. And so, I mean, I, I didn't figure it out on my own. I asked for help as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I'm the same, you know, about a few years ago, I find my, you could call my spiritual mentor, whatever you're self-awareness mentor. It was deep dive for like five years <laughs> of everything. And it was just like, wow. So that's what happened. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> now, I, now is, I know why. <laughs> now, now it all makes sense. You know, why, why I do what I do, how I behave, all the habits. And yeah. The self-sabotaging self -sabotaging behaviors. and Yeah. And especially in Asian culture, we've been past on the same lifestyle from generation to generation to generation to generation because they think that's the only way that works because it's apparently succeeded from past generations, but people don't realize things change, people change, environment changes. Like what happened in 1895 can't work in 2020. All the beliefs and values are all different as well. Yeah. I mean, like back then, Chinese, Chinese men can marry more than one woman. That can't happen now. <laughs> <laughs> Very different nowadays. And for lastly, for those that want to find out more about what you do, where, what can I do? Uh, where can I go? Yeah, for sure. So you can check out my websites, uh, sheenayapchan.com or the taoofselfconfidence.com. You can also check out the Tao of Self Confidence on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and any other podcast directories. You can also be on the lookout for the books that I mentioned are coming out in 2021, Asian Women Who Boss Up and Women of Color Who Boss Up. 
Um, the easiest way is Google Sheena Yapchan because I'm like the only Sheena Yapchan on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you got the unique name as well. So then no one yeah. can really you only find you. Yeah. <laughs> the same thing I did with um, johnopoon.com was because my full name is Jonathan Poon. Mm -hmm. But Jonathan Poon is common. Is, is actually a five star Michelin, whatever, Michelin star chef in Hong Kong or something. Oh, wow. And on the news or Google, he's like front page, second page, third page. I'm just like, I can't be bothered to compete with him on, on searching. Yeah. So I just found johnopoon.com. And also, Jono was like a, and a shortened name that my mm -hmm. men, my first mentor ever gave me because his name was John as well. Oh, okay. So it couldn't just to... be two Johns in the office. Yeah. It just make things too complicated. He goes, could we just call you John? I was like, yeah, that works. So I just yeah. took that and that's now been my, my name. Awesome. <laughs> See, everything happens for a reason. Like, you know, sometimes what happens now doesn't make sense. But when you look back, you're like, oh, okay. Now it totally makes sense. Oh yeah. Everything starts connecting. Yeah. And for your mission, is is there a bigger mission than finding a you know Asian female representation? Yeah, um, one of the things I really want to do is to close that confidence gap. You know, women still face face this huge confidence gap where if a woman goes after the same thing a man does, um, she gets paid less, or even though she's all overqualified, she still holds back. While a man, even though he's half as confident, he'll go out there and do it. I'm sorry. And so the only way to eliminate that gap is to help rise more women up, build their confidence so they can go out there and go after what they want and deserve, you know, the recognition. Awesome. Any last further advice for those that want to build more confidence? I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just start. <laughs> I know <laughs> I know starting is the hardest thing ever. Believe me, I've been there, but you got to start somewhere. You don't have to do alone. Go find a group. Go find a community that can help you do that. I also offer a 20-minute complimentary coaching call if that's something you want to start with. Start little. You don't have to make big leaps, you know? Just take it one step at a time. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Sheena, for your time. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Absolutely enjoyed it. Thank you so much for being here. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership. I hope you found this interview insightful and useful. Please remember to subscribe and review the podcast. And if you have found it useful, please feel free to send it and share it to your network as I will be very appreciative that it will spread and help out more people in the world if you would like more information or the show notes and resources that i will be providing you then please go to www.johnopoon.com go to the blog and find the podcast section step up show up and stay up take care